Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out You were telling me about uh, your little foray down to the forum last night that kept you uh, up until three o'clock on a school night, and it involves music. So why don't you why don't you fill us in on your uh, forum foray? Yeah, it, it involves music, all right. It was a concert for the ages for sure. I wasn't even prepared for it. Um, it was the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert uh, put on by uh, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters and uh, apparently every other musician in the world. Um, <laughs> or every other musician that was in LA at the time. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, but I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, there was a obviously a huge set or uh, guest list available. I mean, that that was part of the buying the tickets. But I'd never been to anything like that before, um, where there was that many bands, that many old kind of classic musicians. I don't even think like a rock and roll hall of fame show would really rival it. It would in production maybe, but not in the yeah. sheer amount of people. I mean, well, let, let, let's get, give us a little rundown of who all you saw. So I, I texted you and Jordan earlier bragging about everyone I saw last night, but just real quick. I mean, it was queen rush, Motley Crue, Def Leppard with Miley Cyrus. That was amazing. Oh, God, um, you must have. Oh, I was. I sure was. She she sang some photograph. I was in Miley heaven. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of Josh Home, which I'd never seen him before. Um, I love his style. He actually sang um, "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" with the Foo Fighters, which was pretty cool to hear him with that uh, Queens of the Stone Age swagger doing that song. Was cool. Yeah, okay. Um, Mark Ronson covered Jerry Rafferty. Um, right down, right the, down line. the line. Goddamn right he did. Oof. Right down the line. Um, and then just seeing a couple of my, I mean, two of my guitar heroes are Brian May and Easton from uh, The Cars. So seeing both of them in one night when I don't even, I don't even think The Cars guy was uh, listed as one of the guests. But yeah, it was just, it was an amazing show. I mean, and it was, it was six hours, but. They just kept them coming. It was every three songs. They'd switch them out. Really? But the Foos played the whole um, time? Well, Grohl did. Uh, Grohl and a couple of them. But for the most part, they, they would take a break, and then uh, someone would come out, whether it was Grohl or Jack Black, and introduce the next band. And like some of them, Queen, uh, I think it was the drummer, Brian May, and I'm not sure if uh, the bass player was there as well, but it was pretty much the whole gang. And then some of the highlights were Kesha sang a David Bowie song and uh, her top came off, which was planned because she had pasties. Um, and I, I think that was... Uh, that was. <laughs> and you were so upset. You were like, <laughs> was, like, that's basically when we walked in. So I walked in with, uh, with some garlic fries and Kesha tits. <laughs> that was the start of... <laughs> Kesha pasties and garlic fries. That sounds like a, a fun evening... Uh, just, just that alone. Yeah, that was the start of my night. And then I guess uh, seeing Sebastian Bach trying to put it together was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> 
They play 18 in life? No, what? no 18 in life. Um, uh, Sebastian Bach actually played with um, the bass player from Sabbath and the drummer from Metallica, and they did two Sabbath covers. So I got to see yeah. some old Sebastian Bach rocking some Paranoid. <laughs> it's a really cool night. I don't. I don't know if uh, anything like that will ever happen again. Um, and I did tell you. Um, I, apparently, he's done it before. But Dave Chappelle covering Radiohead "Creep" was uh, was pretty sweet. But was it good? No. Well, it wasn't. He what? Was it just the novelty yes. of it, or did it sound? It was good? the novelty. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't <laughs> terrible, but he. You know, he's a little flat. But hearing him be like, "You're so fucking special," and like. I don't belong here. Like, kind oh, of the so the special. lyrics are just so uh, poignant to him actually being on stage singing that. <laughs> Interesting. So, okay, so what was, if you had to pick one thing, if you were like, dude, this was the best musical highlight of the night. Under Pressure. Not a novelty, but sound. Under Pressure best. with um, the guy from the darkness doing the Mercury part. What? Yeah. I believe in a thing gone Oh, I heard that one, too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Ah, oh, that's great, man. I I just found it hilarious at the show last night when I was thinking about the podcast and the question we posed last week, who would you rather see, Def Leppard or Motley Crue? And then they were one after another. I was like, well, fucking here we go. This is amazing. Okay, and your final answer? Uh, definitely Def Leppard was better. Uh, Motley Crue has a new lead singer who's good, but he freaks me out. Oh, so Vince Neil is no longer with no, the band. No, it was some little guy in a pink jacket with big eyes. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of pink jackets and big eyes, uh, on that note, you're listening to Podgate Rock and Roll to you. So rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And I also want to shout out my uncle who passed away last week, Garvin Bubba Fraley. Uh, Uncle Bubba, he was a good guy, a uh, loving guy. And, you know, you're, you're only hearing Neil and I this week because... We had uh, a little COVID bug for our, our guest in this run. So this week, we are going to dig into the archives for an unreleased pod gave rock and roll to you. This was uh, going way back to when it was me, Neil, and our, our old co-host, Mr. Jonathan Horton. Mm-hmm. And it was his week to pick a song. And he picked Cake's Short Skirt Long Jacket from their 2000 album, Comfort Eagle. It was written by John McRae and produced by Cake and released on Columbia. I want to talk about this tune because I think it's uh, it's kind of unique in the way it achieves being interesting, in the way it achieves appeal. It seems like it's just a series of like contradictions. Like he's got this really like I don't give a fuck kind of delivery of his of the of the lyrics and stuff, but then it's like it sounds like the the things he's saying are meaningful to him. It's kind of like playful. I mean, it's totally playful and silly, but it also feels kind mm-hmm. of serious. And you know, it, it's kind of heavy, it's light, it's major, it's minor, and it's all these contrasting things mixed up or rather wrapped up in a uh, a unique production instrumentation lineup. And I think it's just a very interesting kind of standalone. Uh, when it comes on, you know who it is. Like, only one band sounds like Cake. Uh, and uh, sure. 
I think that's pretty cool. I think it's definitely worth worth discussing. I mean, it's not unique to cake, that's for sure. Because <laughs> no, it is cake. Um, I mean, I think this is just another great cake song, and I'd say more so than any other band, their sound really does bleed into one kind of song or vibe sonically. But I think the lyrics are always so kind of interesting, and and his delivery is just. You know, like you said, it's 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 so sarcastic and kind of monotone. I didn't know how much I loved the song. Basically, with Cake, for years people would ask me like, "Oh," or as soon as someone would bring up Cake or put it on, I'd immediately be like, "I fucking love Cake." But I had to investigate. Like, do I really? And I do. <laughs> I do. I found out I do. Like, I I was like, uh, "How much Cake can I actually listen to?" Because um, one song is great but do you want to listen to a bunch in a row? And I put this album on and it turns out I definitely can listen to a lot of cake. Cause it's just, it, it's a, it's just the storytelling is so cool. And just the overall creativity in this song, just of the instruments and the production and you know, the trumpets they always use and that crazy vibra slap they're using in this song. And I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I think uh, after listening to it this week, I have a, a greater appreciation for this song. I don't love cake. And I, I don't hate it either. And, and I would say this song I only know from the show Chuck because I watched that when it was coming on NBC. It, what was this show? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, it so the show basically just mashed up the doom ba doo doo and the na 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 na. That was the beginning music for the show. It, there were no like of him singing. I, and honestly, I always thought it was a Beck song just because it sounded like a Beck song. I really only knew Cake from Distance and that album because I heard it when it was, I was like 13 or 14. But And so I always kind of thought of them as a gimmick band just because of, you know, Distance and that album and kind of their silly lyrics. But it, this is a fun tune, and it's, it's worth a listen just for the riff alone, I think. You know, there's a lot of stuff I really love in the song and a lot of stuff I really don't, but... You know, overall, the lyric and the music are fun, and if you can get past the vocal and the Sugar Ray vibes, it's a it's a good listen. So you don't <laughs> like the vocal? No. Um, you don't like it, the uniqueness of it. I mean, because it is it is breaking the mold of what a rock vocal should be, which I yeah. appreciate. I mean, I, I think, like I said, like their sound bleeds into all their other songs, but I think it's it's notable that kind of he at least carved out his own sound uh, i think it's sounds i don't know who came first but it sounds very similar to beck and i find beck more melodic no. so there's some parallels i've never he, thought he, back with them maybe the whole package but just him his delivery is a lot more heavy-handed than like beck's like yeah it's it's a lot more the sarcasm on fucking 14 the knob is up sure i mean th- th- the intention is different sure I'm just talking about the, the tone. The tone is is very similar. That the vibe is very similar to that. Yeah, no, I think. I mean, that that is the fair. sound basically. I think. Um, yeah, the intention. That, no, I think that's fair. It also brings the melody down because the melody, I think, is probably is. Is other there a than melody? The, I would rather listen to this song without any singing or anything. I think musically, it's 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 really good no. and really. There's a lot of cool stuff. No. A lot of really great stuff going on there but i don't need to hear him sing yeah i don't, I don't want to hear this without the vocal i mean i think <laughs> it's very important the music is fine but i think the vocal ties it all together but also the, the the hook doesn't really do anything for me 
because yeah. there's no melody, it really doesn't change. It you just mean goes the to that one line. Huh? You mean when it changes? The hook, the short, short skirt, oh. long jacket line. Yeah, I don't think that's the hook. the hook, though. I don't think that's, I don't think this song is a riff based. Like, the riff is the hook. Yeah, I mean, that. look, that's the song, it is that riff. And, like, some of the horn parts, I think. And the drums. And the, the drums. drums sound fantastic. The thing that makes me dig the monotone vocals and lack of melody is the sheer outrageous visuals of the lyrics. The lyrics are just so over the top that like it's yeah. it's juxtaposed like him delivering these fantastic or fantastical lyrics with just this deadpan it's like Alice in Wonderland just fucking totally flat. It's and I mm-hmm. found that very interesting. I like the lyric. I think the lyric is 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 funny and it's 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 got a sense of humor and and you know it can be interpreted multiple ways and and it does keep you know you you do kind of want to listen to what he's saying. Um I also yeah. like lyrics that do that little trope of I want this, I want that, I want this or I want that and kind of repeats um yeah. just the first phrase and then adds on other things as you go through the song. I I like that. I like when people yeah. do that and pull it off. The lyrics get they they go from pretty vague or just kind of I want a girl with these things and then it gets so specific like just mm-hmm. meeting at Citibank and you know changing her name and buying a Chrysler LeBaron like it's so, <laughs> yeah. it's so specific. Right. I want a girl with a short skirt and a long jacket. The riff is a great riff. I mean, Josh, you were saying you could just listen to, you know, the music, which I think we get old pretty soon, but it really does make a statement right out of the gate. And it's, you're curious, at least for me, I'm curious to see, it's very, out of the people's quarters. It's very like, almost like 70s cop show. It's just very like, it's very like yeah. intense and driving, but, but still yeah. funky. Now, is it a guitar or a bass? Both. It's both. Okay. Together. Um, because at some, at some points you could, like it almost sounds like a tuba or some shit. <laughs> I know it's not, but at some points it, 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 it sounds like that a little bit. Well, some genres will use like, in some Mexican music, they use tuba in yeah. the bass. That riff is pretty classic. Just like the deadpan vocals, it's 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 so um, dissonant a little. You know what I mean? It's 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 almost like making fun of itself. It's just like this. Uh, it's it's almost kind of white funky, you know? Yeah, right. It sounds silly. Like it, if you were like, give me an adjective, I would say it's it's silly. I mean, it's if something can be kind of kick ass and silly at the same time, I think this is this is. And it. you know what this riff reminds me? It is of. a song of contradictions, you know. Song reminds it's a riff me of, of contradiction as well. Yeah, just the, the riff reminds me of uh, the B section of Sissy Strut. It's almost like an inverse because it goes, how's it go? And then it goes, it's almost like they took a couple of those. I feel like if that was a guitar player's riff, he probably knew there was a little Sissy Strut in there by the meters. Or, or it very well could have been the bass player's riff and the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I love when you hear how tight the drums are with that bass riff. That's what really makes it, for me, that, that the hi-hat, yeah. the snare popping between the, the, the breaks and the riff. Yeah, yeah that, that shit. And they got some reverb on that shit or something. I mean, it sounds like they're playing in a well. It's great. Yeah, yeah, and anytime you you have the the bass and the guitar just playing the exact same riff, like there's a, there's a power to it that 
um, if, if, if you're grooving and hitting it right, it, it can be pretty powerful. I like the fact that it's not passive. Like it's not, it's making a statement. Like it's very much a declarative fucking statement. It's like, you know, the, one of the things you know, they do in the song that I enjoy and is the riff, I think would, could get tired, you know, throughout, like by the end of the song, but they add enough stuff. And, and this is kind of a lot of the, this, some of the stuff I like, some of them I don't, but they add enough stuff to kind of make, and that being the backbone of the song to keep it interesting throughout, you know, you're not just like, okay, stop playing this riff already. There's enough stuff going on around it to where it's still carrying the song. Yeah. And I think actually the best part of the riff is how it resolves almost to that sweet Jane chord structure. Just because the oh, riff yeah. stops and it goes, I mean, it's pretty much sweet Jane right there in the middle. Yeah. They just totally shift gears, which makes it effective when you come back to it. Cause I like to your point, Josh, if you stay on that riff the whole time, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it needs, it, it needs to stop. And, and it kind of just helps the whole verses. Cause it, it kind of switches into this new kind of, uh, just sound right in the middle that kind of helps the song carry. Now I'll, I'll say this, man, when you're writing a song, if you have a riff that, that strong, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause it's good. And you know, it's good, but you're like, I don't know how to fucking stop playing it because it creates its own gravity. And you're like, I don't know how to play anything but this now. But you you have to break away from it. Otherwise, you just you just can't well, stay there. And also, that's another reason why it lends itself to the vocals, because like if you listen to the riff, the riff itself isn't that like doesn't lend itself to singing something over it or or it lends itself to singing anything over it. It doesn't matter almost. That's that's fair. Yeah, because it's know, so. It, it, one thing I've learned is with music, it's like, and I always tell like students this. I'm like, if you're playing a solo over something that's busy, you don't have to play many notes, yeah. Like because the movement of the music around it, it's like standing at the at the beach and the water moves by you, makes you feel like you're moving. It's yeah. like if it's moving, you stay still. If it stays yeah, still, man. you move. Well, it's it's also like if you know you're in a room, and I mean it, it's like the the you know Barack Obama just walks to a room or, or our president or somebody like that where the to riff this, walks to this in riff sucks, I can hear him walking sucks, into this riff su- sucks all no I'm just saying the riff itself sucks all the air out of the room you know oh yeah so the other stuff can kind of play around a little more because that is so good like the backbone is so solid that yeah you know it lends itself to okay let's let's have fun with this then and they do that and they definitely do that but notice and, when they uh, change they change to something totally different just you have to go totally fucking different. Yeah, man. It's about the notes you don't play. I don't know if this is the riff to <laughs> to talk about that on because you can play so many notes, but just the decision to like leave certain ones out is can be highly beneficial. It always makes me think of the Simpsons where uh, they're at a jazz club and somebody turns to Homer and is like, it's the notes they're not playing. And Homer's like, I can hear those at home. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, Homer. I want a girl with shoes that cut and uh, eyes that burn like cigarettes. I want a girl with the right allocations who is It's like like I said if something's crushing it, you just assist like you know, you don't need you know two people trying to dunk the ball. It's like just pass it. And the bass clearly has control of this song. And in that sense, you know, the vocal it's, it's probably necessary to, to not really have a melody and to be so deadpan because you don't want something that's taken too much away from the riff. 
Right. Right. Because if you're not careful, you start singing like this, and it's like <laughs> you start yeah. singing the riff, and you can't. That would sound ridiculous. And and it makes the lyric uh, secondary as well because you know, like most music, it, it's fun. You kind of get into it before you know, like even realize what he's saying. But so you, I mean, that comes later. And it's like, oh, okay, this whole thing is fun. So it has kind of a party vibe there. The thing I like about the vocal is, like I said, the deadpan, the flat tone works because the riff is so lively and the lyrics are so ridiculous that it feels like like a mixed media, like sculpture or something. It's like they're not, it's not all the same medium. Like you have this funk bass line and you have this just, smart alecky fucking delivery with mm-hmm. these really like quirky like I said descriptive almost oxymoronic lyrics things that almost don't even fit yeah. together and that I like that it's like a fucking Basquiat or something it's fucking crazy yeah there's so many bands that have you can hear exactly where they came from this is a specific sound it's very dated I feel like that sound is very 90s Absolutely. But I also still enjoy listening to it today. As far as the lyrics are concerned, I really love this little story. I I, I really think it it ties together well. I don't think it's too far out. I love what he's doing with the lyrics and his delivery. It doesn't matter, really, to me. I mean, the, the lyric is, I like to think of it as like a man who doesn't know what he wants. And I love the line, uh, I want a girl with shoes that cut and eyes that burn like cigarettes. Mm-hmm. A great little couplet there, but the, the it falls apart for me when kind of the hey hoes and they start repeating what he's saying. That is just so late nineties terrible. It, it, it takes that party vibe and makes it like a skater party vibe that I, I do not dig hmm. at all, and it kind of ruins the song for me as it moves into the second half. I think they went a little overboard. They 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 really. They're texturing it a lot with all these kind of response and response harmonies or not harmonies, but just, you know, background vocals. I think I think it adds to the song. I dig it. I think it subtracts. Uh, It's a it's fine. line Heavily. I think it dates it, which isn't the end of the world. I mean, fucking Chuck Berry sounds like he comes from the 50s, but it's still fucking cool. I mean, it's not dating something, everything, you know. But like I said, I like when he says with fingernails that shine like justice, like that's fucking fantastic. Yeah, like that's a good line. <laughs> it almost feels like a Mad Lib. Like he's put in adjective noun, you know. Definitely, <laughs> my favorite is uh, who uses a machete to cut through red tape. Like I, right? It's just such a. I like the a cool line. Touring the facilities. It's got to be a sharp machete, that's for sure. Listening to this song, it's so specific and hilarious. Although. While I was listening to the lyrics and reading them, I was like, this is kind of my wife. She she really checks all these boxes. She really can work hard and play hard. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at, you know, with the the short skirt, and long jacket. I mean, I've always said Ms. Michelle has smooth liquidation. Yeah, when I, when I think well, of she's definitely liquidation. touring the facility and fucking. <laughs> she's definitely touring the facility <laughs> and picking up slack. That's hilarious. They're just like I said. It's almost absurdist. It's it's things that don't fit. It's almost like dreamlike. It's almost hard to let your mind go to that abstract. 
I think towards the end, I like unlike you, Neil. Like I, I, I think it gets a little too cute with the like the city bank and like the Chrysler Baron and stuff. It's like well, right, and where where jump. where it goes wrong, and it's kind of uh, it didn't age well. She na- she changed her name from Kitty to Karen, so nobody likes a Karen these days. Um, <laughs> that is true. And then who but would that'll be short lived as well. <laughs> Who would trade in an MG for a white Chrysler LeBaron? I would keep that MG. Karen would, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that trade didn't date too well. That's for sure. No, none of these trades did. It's like this guy was David Duquette before Theo Epstein arrived. I have no idea what any of these things you just said mean. <laughs> Who uses a machete to cut through red tape? You guys never really responded to my hey hoes other than saying they were dated. Does that mean you like them? I don't mind. I don't. I, I wouldn't be like that's what we need right here at this point in this day and age. You wouldn't well, be like when you say I want a girl with uninterrupted prosperity. We need somebody to scream uninterrupted in the background. Sweet, <laughs> got it. Yeah, I yeah. dig them, and I think it just goes to the playful nature of their vibe in this song in general. Like they're just throwing shit at a wall, and you know, whenever it sounds right, they put it in and. You know, it may not be perfect. It's no huge feat of like amazing rock and roll, but I really think that they're. I don't think this has to be rock and roll. What I'm saying is, this is part of the Sugar Ray vibes you're adding here, like the late '90s. Like I just do love. That, I just want to fly. I'm a little offended by no. that. I mean, yeah. that, no, I know what that. you mean, but I don't like some that. of the horns. In, some of the horns in there are basically "I just want to fly." I mean, like there's certain parts of this song that sound like "I just want to fly." Well, I mean, which was a song that came out before this, so. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, um, I, I would Don't. say Sugar Ray is a homeless man's fucking cake. <laughs> but it's still but it's still got the sugar. It's just instead of like that good icing, it's Ray. I don't well, like yeah, anything they, to do yeah, with they this. Took, no, they took the sugar and they made a fucking delicious cake out of it. I mean, clearly, clearly it made an impression on you, Josh. When I hear this, I hear like fastball and Sugar Ray and like tub thumping. Like... It, a lot of <laughs> oh, sections of the song kind of kind of remind me of yeah. that, probably because of the period Certainly. it's in. But you can, right. you can also say this came out in 2001, which is like a few years after all that stuff, and it's almost dated at that point as well. Because like at that point, you're listening to like, but the Strokes are out, the White Stripes are out, you know, Kid A's come out, you know, Insomnia. Like it's but just they're moved sticking, away from they're that sticking sound. to their shtick. They're 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 not afraid Absolutely. to just be like, this is who we are. I think they're much better than all those bands you just mentioned. Yeah, and so you're I, saying that they're in the same category as like the offspring at this point. No, right? you keep fucking like shtick. trying to connect it to worse and worse shit. They're What's sticking wrong? to their Nothing stick. Chuck Berry does. The Black Keys do. Everybody has a. If you have a vibe, you're lucky yeah. to have one vibe. I would. So I would have much less vibe. respect for them if like the White Stripes and the Strokes came out and they're like, oh boy, we got <laughs> we got we got to fucking sing our own version of Jolene here. Ridiculous statement, Neil. It sounds like whenever this song came out, they would have produced it this way. That's why I don't mind it. If this had come out in the 80s, I feel like they would have done it this way. I don't feel like they did it this way because of when it came out. I don't know about that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, but I, I, it's up for debate. But I do think it's not like we're just going to like polish a fucking turd here. It's like, you know, there is stuff there worth working with. There's three things in the song that give it that. And, Neil, you are a skater, so I get why you would like this skater party vibe. But there's three this things in the song that give it that, that kind of take it away from me. It's, it's those backups, like repetit, like the call, I don't, you, that's not even call and response. It's, just, it's echoed. Right. It's echo, yeah. So, and then the, I like some of the horn, the solo, and then the horn that brings you into the song and the horn that's kind of in the outro. 
but the horn that's in that little the kind of i don't know if you call it a pre-chorus you know she is fast thorough and sharp as attack it actually doesn't come in until the second one is is that a little sugar ray e ish whatever you want to call it and then the cowbell is just unnecessary in this song the vibra slap the top Top, okay. top, that yeah. comes in kind of I, really, I, guess, I wish everyone could see the verse. head movement that is totally necessary when you play that I'm imaginary my, I'm cowboy I'm getting my Will Ferrell on the, fucking, cowbell, the cowboy is imaginary the head movement is real <laughs> another thing I love in the song and I think is the catchiest part of the song is the na 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 I mean like see I thought you were because I was waiting for you to say you couldn't stand that part because if there's something I don't like I don't love that part. And I, I, and I usually wouldn't like, but I think how it kind of accompanies the, the, the horn solo, it, it works. And, it, and it's catchy. It's, you can take it as being a little cheesy and um, annoying if it's vocals, but if that was a guitar just doing ba-na-na-na-na-na, you, you, everyone would dig it. But they, they kind of just take it out of the box, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, instead of playing that as a accompanying guitar they they kind of sing it you know and i think it's cool they they kind of reach for um those unique sounds you know they're they're going the distance (laughs) boom well let's talk about let's talk about like all all those um all those instruments and the arrangement because that's the thing for me like i said it ends up sounding like a collage of just like crazy mixtures of and textures and just that in and of itself i find interesting like it's almost a little surrealist that way and and i dig surrealism even if i don't really totally understand what's going on or i just i if i if i hear something or see something i don't think i would have ever thought of i like that i like seeing things that are beyond my you know box there's two things i like how they add stuff kind of throughout the song as the song goes on like in the second verse when they do the kind of the extended long and he does that little guitar riff that's also in the in the third one as well but it's not in the first one and which is a pretty nasty little lick he does oh yeah yeah it is cool Mm -hmm. it's got a very kind of just almost engine sound to it yeah and then i like the before the cowbell comes in they do that little scraper thing yeah the vibra slap the, the Viber Slap, yeah, and that's Viber cool. Slap. And then that sounds like a sex yeah. toy. It's called <laughs> it a Viber Slap. Yep. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to bring that out when it's when it's vibe time. Uh, <laughs> if I can toss Jonathan's toothbrush in the can. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But but then they also what they do is also on that little part the two line the little couplets he they do before the short skirt and long jacket he adds the horns. Those both of those parts for me are just like why. Hey, there's no. a lot going on at that point. I would say they're cake yeah. horns. It gets to where there's too much <laughs> it, going. What on. they really are is they're like reggae or ska horns. Well, but I will yeah, say the intro horn is fantastic. The way it, it fades right. in, very cool. And the outro with the, with the outro part that there's like an extended little horn thing that is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes or no? You guys could have been in Sugar Ray. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Oof. Been in a band that made a bunch of money doing music? Yes. Sure. Uh, um, I'm gonna have to say yeah, no. Yeah, there's, there's. I'm gonna have to say. There's no. many ways to answer that question, but just uh, no is the best way. Ph- philosophically, no. <laughs> I just Josh, like fly, absolutely. Baby. 
just fucking fucking music slut. If you pay me enough money, I'll be there. I'll, I'll fucking do it. I just want to fly. Slut. Just speaking of Sugar Ray, I heard an interview recently where someone was asking him, "Oh, are you are you guys still touring? Are you still playing?" He's like, "You smell funnel cake? We're there." <laughs> fucking just, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, there was one more thing I want to say. Um, this is just very much like a song we just did. Is he looking for a cinnamon girl? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it's a very similar kind of song, just describing this woman you want to be with. You and know? I think that's very interesting because I like the idea of songs with the same sentiment but presented in totally different ways. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's very cool. See, cinnamon girl seems like seems like he's talking about a girl he's met and that is looking looking back on. And, or, or like looking he says at us in a no, not at all. Not the sure, sure. Girl. Yeah, or, or, a type, but it, it seems like a type that he's met before. Whereas this guy, I feel like, is just you don't. He doesn't know what he wants. He's just kind of observing different women and kind of throwing shit together and saying, "I want." This, it seems like he knows exactly that. what he wants. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think this is someone he like met that he's describing. It it sounds like he was sitting at like a coffee shop or something and just seeing and and people watching and like taking something from every girl he saw and was just like, I want that. I think he was just thinking of things that sound cool. Like when said, like I just, you know, and once again, the more quirky and the more ridiculous, the better. The better. I think on, on the surface, if you don't listen to the lyrics, um, this song can just kind of drone on. But if you, if you dive into it, it's, it's very interesting. (laughs) I do not agree with that, but interesting. The thing that's cool about this song, and for me, why it works, is just when you're about to get bored with whatever is the focus, something else happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm saying about the time, but about the time I'm tired of those vocals, the riff comes in or the horns, something happens, or there's a stop. Cool. Right? Yeah, yeah. So and that's what's cool. Like, so you never get, and the stops are almost so long that you're like, is this song? They're weird. They're like, they're, like, I'm oh. not. They have the. I don't think they're counted. They feel like they're not. They don't feel like they're part of a beat. And they just look at each other and they're like, "Well, in the studio, you can do whatever." But like, yeah, but yeah, exactly. But like, but, yeah, but that's what's cool. With it. They keep it. They keep it fresh. You know what else is cool? What's that? Vibe time. It is pretty cool. It's cooler than I realized, actually. It's cool. It depends on where you're keeping the vibrator. Uh, the, cue the music in where I'm keeping three, it. <laughs> two. Well, you know, you keep it in the freezer. Uh, one. I didn't know that, but I'll check there. The freezer. No, those are dildos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would you fucking vibrate in the freezer? Better, better action with those. Well, no, they don't have a battery in them. Yeah. Is that to save the battery life? Because <laughs> people so. used to put batteries in the freezer because that was some kind of wives' tale that it saved the life. Maybe in a bag of rice. You just go to somebody's house no, and you open the up the freezer out. door. It's just it's just a, bu- a large rice. bag of batteries and rice, and you're like, mm. <laughs> the end is nigh. Anyway, Jonathan, when, when do you want to hear "Short Skirt, Long Jacket" by Cake? Um, I want to hear it at a pool party. That's a I good answer, that. Neil. Um, well, as we were talking about, this song is kind of dated. Um, I want to hear this on an MP3 player after I've downloaded it from. Uh, Napster, unfortunately. 
<laughs> I want I want to hear it at a local county fair when I'm eating funnel cake. Uh, no. <laughs> Thinking of Mark McGrath. <laughs> oh, I love Sugar Ray. Are they playing? <laughs> Is that cake or Sugar Ray? It's um, funnel cake. No, I, I would say I want to hear this when either when I'm watching Chuck reruns or I agree with Jonathan at like an it doesn't have to be a pool party, but like a, a party in the daytime, like a day a daytime party. Mm-hmm. You could be at a lake. It'd be a good strip club song. I could definitely see a stripper getting down to this. Yeah, but without the vote, you'd have to take the vote cloud. No, that's no, the. That's I want a girl with part. fucking. Hmm, okay. I want fair, a girl fair. who needs to take her clothes. Yeah. for money. No, that, that that's that's the whole reason it would. I be want a girl to name her, change her name from Kitty to Karen. I want a girl who'll settle Jasmine. for less. Settle for less. <laughs> from from Kitty to Jasmine. <laughs> I want a girl who'll change her name from Kitty to Kitty. I want a girl who's <laughs> open to negotiations for how much I can give her when we go in the bag. Negotiations. Who's <laughs> open for negotiations? I want a girl who will take a check. <laughs> well, now that we are uh, under the influence with a little, we've all been drinking. What what are we drinking tonight? I'm drinking Zinfandel. Peroni, baby. Uh, I am drinking this. I don't even know what you call it. Fucking Zuma de Pinga. We call it in Zuma. Sorry, Zuma de Pina. We call it in fucking. <laughs> what? <laughs> we call it in Spain. It's uh, it's just. Zuma de- Pineapple juice and, and rum. Excellent. Well, well, it sounds better when you tie that uh, fancy name to it. Pena. Spanish is fun. Jonathan, <laughs> what do you think uh, this what this song was influenced by? Influence. Um, um, I'm gonna say it has the cheeky smartassness of the Kinks, hmm. and uh, obviously you said Beck, and uh, Cage the Elephant has some of that vibe in there too. Mm-hmm. That I think they would have led to a caged element type of band. Definitely. But with, without the melody. Okay. Got it. They don't need the melody. Lyrics and riffs are good enough. Zoom in a pena. Neil. <laughs> well, I think um, just the deadpan delivery and the way this song specifically uses the exact chords from Sweet Jane. I think the Velvet Underground has to be mentioned. Um, as far as 90s bands like Chili Peppers, Beastie Boys, I think they kind of um, are of that ilk. And... To your point, Josh, the whole time, I think this is the best iteration of all those bands you mentioned. Fastball, Sugar Ray, yeah. even the rap rock, like 311. Like that stuff went way too far and is just oh, yeah. not my cup of tea. They, they, To be fair, they were doing this before all those bands. Yeah, and I, I mean, they're, they're, they're just the best iteration of that. And I think moving forward, I think they've influenced just music in general, just the importance of being original kind of standing out, kind of having a lane, sticking to it. Um, you don't have to be Freddie Mercury or James Taylor or like have, you know, the, these great melodies. To your point, Josh, they just they have they have a certain sound. They stuck to it, and it's done them well. Yeah, like I said, Beck, Offspring, Sugar Ray. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's fighting words. Um, for a band uh, in the 90s to, to – really focus on the a horn even though this came out in 2001 uh I, I still think of them as a 90s band i would say morphine a little bit uh just just to have the horn uh i would say a band moving forward modest mouse is definitely yeah, yeah. a band that the took monotone. a lot from these guys yeah. but yeah i mean they, they definitely have a specific sound i don't really know where exactly it comes from honestly like musically but well, I mean, I think it's just that they have a unique lineup that they didn't think we need bass, drums, and guitar. Like you know, they yeah. they didn't think that they're like, all right. And when you have a different setup, you're just you're necessarily going to do different things. 
to have horns, you usually think there's going to be some kind of jazzy element. I don't, I don't hear that. Or ska or reggae, you know. Yeah, that's probably why I don't love them. They use that almost like a Latin kind of way a little bit. A little, like at the beginning, there's a little bit of a Mexican kind of vibe, which I think is very cool. Yeah, that, that that's true. I mean, you can hear different right influences of music in this one song. I mean, there's like a mariachi thing. There's like a, like a little rockabilly. That little guitar lick we were talking about in the second long. That's a little like you said, sounded like an engine Neil. That's a little rockabilly like mm-hmm. riff there. So I mean, they're they're doing a lot of different things in there. So that's that's impressive and. Well, why don't we take this thing under the covers? It's been long enough. Yeah. Jonathan, how many covers did you listen to? Mm, I, I didn't listen to any covers this week. Okay. It's a slow week for you. Uh, Neil, what, what you got? No, I don't want to hear any covers. Of it. Like, there's there's a bunch, but they sound just like bad cake. Um, <laughs> but so, moldy cake. So birthday cake. In lieu of no covers, um, I don't know if you guys watched the video they produced for this. I watched a live performance video. I didn't. No, I didn't no. See well, the, the video, the video the, they they did is amazing. They, the headphones. Yeah, it's such a cool idea where they basically just like uh, recorded people listening to the song, and as the song's playing, they, you know, overdubbed are their reactions, um, and just the reactions are great. Josh, you brought up at one point like you almost think the song stops. Like one of the guys is like, "Wait, is it over?" He's like, "Oh, oh, there it goes." <laughs> He's like, "This shit's good. I'll take two. How much are they?" Um, and then one guy at the end was like, well, I just paid $18,000 to divorce my wife. I have, if, if my, if she was a little more like this broad, maybe I would have stuck it out. So definitely in the Northeast. And it was nominated for some awards. And um, the, the songwriter actually directed the video, John McRae. I listened to a bunch of covers. There's really only live versions, instrumental versions, and acapella versions. So many acapella versions. What? And Ugh. none worth mentioning. That sounds terrible. God, I put on one for like 15 seconds. I was like, I didn't know what I had clicked. I was like, oh, no, no. Where people no, are like, stop, really like, stop. boom. Oh, yeah. It's on the video when they're listening, like, part of it's right here in Venice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. That is, that's not surprising. Yeah. It's not surprising. <laughs> in fact, I'm just walking down the boardwalk, handing it to like people playing bongos and shit. Like, what, man? But the instrumental versions. That's why I said, like, there's some instrumental versions that I like as much, if not more, than the song, honestly. So, and in saying that, Jonathan, how does the shoe fit? It fits like two different shoes. Doesn't even matter which two, like a bowling shoe and then like a fucking Doc Martin or something. So they just don't totally fit, but somehow it works. Interesting. Well, to play off that, my answer was it fits like bowling shoes. Um, they're very specific you don't always wear them but um, when you do you're usually having a damn good time they're universally specific they're always for only um, they're always only for bowling I think it doesn't fit no it fits but I don't want to wear it if that if that makes sense it makes sense Sure. In a way, I mean, it makes sense that it, but it doesn't make sense. But it makes sense. You'd you'd rather you'd re- you're looking for your sugar ray size tens, <laughs> I'm looking, size eleven. I'm, I'm flying. You just want to fly. It was his? I think his mom was a funnel cake. Oh, uh, sugar ray. Mark McGrath, I think, or, like, think, or his grandfather was just act- an actual funnel cake. <laughs> Twenty three and me and led straight to the carnival. No, 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 no. I think I think his I think his mom was a fried Twinkie. His his grandfather. Hey, I'm not talking about his mom, dude. That's fucked up. 
Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I think his grandfather was a fried there tweet. That makes more sense. And, yeah, yeah. His sister was a funnel cake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that dude gets wet. He just falls apart. <laughs> All I know is he loves powdered sugar. Uh, yeah, but he does. <laughs> it's all around his nose no, no. every time you see him. <laughs> on that note, we are going to play a cover of Cakes, Short Skirt, Long Jacket.
The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give us a good rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is your week, Josh. What are we doing? We are going to discuss the Randy Newman pinned Three Dog Night performed. Mama told me not to come. Spoiler alert. Can't wait!